You're listening to Renegade Broadcasting. February 1st, unbelievable, already into the second month of the year, um, yeah, I'm back doing evenings, guys, because uh, as it turns out, my eyes work better in the morning, but my brain doesn't, <laughs> which is ironic because, of course, I used to originally do morning shows, but uh, I guess I've been away from that for so long now, and I'm just not uh, a morning person anymore. So, um, yeah, I was listening to my shows last week, you know, because I, I remember I was getting stumped. Not stumped, but my mind just wasn't functioning. And sure enough, I went back and listened. I, I realized I made a bunch of mistakes. I kept citing the wrong person's name in the wrong context. And, ah, it was a disaster. So, uh, yeah, I'm back to doing evening shows. But, um I'm not going to be taking calls, though, guys. In fact, uh, tonight was the exception because I, I think Bobby's supposed to be calling in. But other than that, for a while anyway, uh, we're going to be locking the room after tonight. Long story. Let's just say that uh, the exterminator is on vacation, so we have to take other means uh, to deal with infestation problems. Anyway. I want to finish off the notes from uh, last week uh, on, uh, you know, the Jewification of Gentiles, Christianity. And then uh, I said I wasn't going to be doing headlines, but no, no, I, I, I got to keep doing headlines. There's just too much stuff going on um, for however long my eyes let me. Thanks to the listeners that made, you know, suggestions, uh, I went ahead and caught uh, pretty much all of the uh, suggestions uh, that were made, I've got quite a few bottles of herbs and vitamins and, uh, you know, different supplements. Um, unfortunately, I'm taking all of them. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I, I'll never know which ones are working, so I'll probably just take them all uh, indefinitely. One of the things that was recommended, this one guy suggested uh, beef liver. And at first I'm thinking, oh, no, no way, that ain't happening. I absolutely despise liver. I can't even stand the smell of it. I get nauseous. But I didn't realize 
that you can buy them in pill form. You don't have to actually eat the liver. You can just pop the pills. So uh, my apologies to the, the listener that suggested that. I didn't even realize you could get pill form. So I got some of those on order as well, so I'll be trying that. I don't want to jinx myself, but right now my eyes are feeling pretty good. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming that one or more of these concoctions is, is doing the trick. Um, anyway, my apologies. I'm falling behind on emails. Uh, we had a tragedy that struck yesterday. My girlfriend's mother passed away. Uh, we had been, you know, taking care of her for a while now. She wasn't able to, you know, to feed herself or do anything, you know, for herself. But uh, her mind was there. Though. You know, she could understand you. You could talk with her a little bit. She'd say a few words, you know. But as of yesterday, she wasn't talking at all. Uh, you'd ask her questions, and you could tell she was struggling. She wanted to respond, respond but she couldn't. Uh, she wasn't able to swallow anything. We were trying to give her fluids. She couldn't, you know, she was gagging. You could tell that she didn't have any, like, muscular control, you know. So we kind of figured that this was going to be it. And sure enough, last night, peacefully in her sleep, uh, my girlfriend happened to look over and saw that she wasn't breathing. She called me in, and, yeah, you know, we didn't feel a pulse. And so, you know. It's not like we didn't expect it, but nonetheless, you know, it's just not pleasant to, uh, this has got to be like the fourth person now that I've been by the bedside of, uh, you know, as they passed. Uh, I had an uncle, of course, my mother, my grandmother years ago, and now uh, my girlfriend's mother. It's not a pleasant thing, you know, to have to be there and, uh, and, and witness that, but uh, yeah, well, what can you do? It's all part of living in this twisted, frigged-up world. And, you know, isn't it frigged-up enough? Isn't life frigged-up enough? You've got shit you've got to deal with that automatically comes your way. Just living in this world, right? You know, you, you can get struck by lightning, hit by a car, uh, uh, you know, get bit by a freaking uh, a dog. I mean, you name it. Any number of things can go wrong on any given day. And ultimately, what we have to look forward to is death. This world can be shitty all on its own, guys. But then you've got to deal with these swine balls who are going out of their way to make life miserable for the rest of us. And they're doing it in such a way that still, even though a lot of people are catching on, still the whopping majority have not the slightest clue what the hell is being done to them. Ah, not only no clue, they're eating out of the hands of those that are kicking them right in the teeth. Anyway, like I said, I gave this more headlines in a little bit, uh, probably not for the second half of the show. I'm anticipating, uh, I'm thinking we've got long to finish these notes here. So we left off, we were talking last week about uh, Paul's, well, not just Paul, mostly Paul, but also Peter made some references to this as well, how that when you become a Christian, you are becoming a part of God's true Israel, God's faithful Israel, children of Abraham. Um, and so, you know, it's amazing because Paul, on the one hand, was saying that 
there's no such thing anymore as Jew and Gentile or Jew and Greek. You know, we're all one in Christ, right? But then in the next breath, he's saying that you Gentiles are no longer Gentiles now when you come to Christ, you're now Jews. If there were no Jews, no Gentiles, no Jews, no Greeks, whatever, why is he still talking like this? He said, you left uh, your Gentilism behind in so many words. You who were in past time Gentiles are now nigh, uh, you know, uh, toward God. You know, you're part of the, the, the children of God. Why would he say that there's no such thing as Jew and Gentile? And yet turn around and say, you're not Gentiles anymore. You're not Jews. Look at the mind fuckery going on here. And by the way, fuck the G rating uh, once again. Uh, how many times I've tried that? It's just not going to work. Plus, I've had a bunch of listeners, far more listeners, who had requested that I drop the uh, <laughs> the uh, flavorful language. Far more people, uh, you know, are saying, screw that, who cares, you know. The, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. It just—it doesn't work. It doesn't work. When I when I talk about this stuff, it enrages me, and sometimes you just gotta let your tongue fly free. So anyway, although Paul tried to convince his uh, audience once again that you know there's no such thing as Jew and, and Gentile, we're all one in Christ, he then turned around and uh, uh, said this to appease Gentiles: Is he not the God? Uh, of the Jews as well as the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, Romans uh, chapter 3. So, once again, he betrays his claim to not be making any distinction between Jews and Gentiles when he said stuff like this. Obviously, he didn't mean what he said when he says there's no more Jews, there's no more Greeks, uh, because he made it clear that you know, people who accept Christ are, in fact, becoming Jews, which is why, let me repeat, original Christianity, you know that Christianity that so many Christians today claim they want to go back to? Go back to the roots, to original apostolic Christianity. Well, if you really wanted to do that, you would have to buy yourself a yarmulke and show up at Temple uh, uh, this week, because that's what original apostolic Christianity was. It was Judaism which is, again, why you have those two statements in the book of Revelation attributed to Christ, who talked about, you know, those who say they are Jews and are not. Why would Jesus in the Christian era care about people who say they're Jews and are not when supposedly in the New Covenant era now, Jews don't mean a thing anymore. They, they blew their chance, right? They blew their probation. And now the gospel has gone to the Gentiles. Paul said that emphatically, right? Well, why the hell would Jesus make a statement like that? Who say they are Jews and are not. Why would he care? Jews blew it, according to the New Testament, right? It's obvious what that means. Jesus is talking. Wow, assuming it's supposed to be Jesus. Jesus is talking there to Christians. And he's telling them to be patient uh, and, and, you know, to, to not be upset with the phonies among them who say they're Jews and are not, or who say they're Christians and are not, because Christianity and Judaism at that time were one and the same. They worshipped in the synagogue. They worshipped in the, in the temple. 
Look at the book of Acts, guys. It talks about Paul going around preaching uh, every Sabbath. They met in the synagogue every Sabbath. I mean, come on. They were Jews, which is why, you know, Peter uh, had to be corrected by Paul, who was still practicing uh, Jewish snobbery of not having uh, dinner with uh, Gentiles, right? Paul had to publicly embarrass them and correct them on that. Anyway, why would Paul even say this, though? Well, you know, ask that question. Is he not the God of the Gentiles also, as well as the Jews? If, in fact, there was no difference now. That we were to forget the idea of, of, you know, Jews and Gentiles or Jews and Greeks. Look at the schizophrenic message here. Classic biblical schizophrenia, right? But the message is schizophrenic. But Paul, in this case anyway, wasn't being schizophrenic. He was just playing this little word game. He would say uh, at any given moment what appealed you know, to the audience he was addressing or uh, would enhance the point that he was trying to make, not caring whether it contradicted what he said, you know, uh, in another letter he wrote to the sin people or in a previous chapter of the same letter or whatever. It it didn't matter. In that moment, that's what mattered. The point he was trying to make there, the Bible does this all the time, doesn't it? Completely contradicts itself from one minute to the next. And Bible groups just write that off. They completely ignore it. They'll only pay attention with tunnel vision to what this particular passage says in this context. Uh, and, and then when you point out that there's a contradiction, no, you're taking that out of context. No, you don't understand. They'll make up anything so that they don't have to admit what is plainly before their eyes, that their infallible book is, in fact, not fallible. Incredibly uh I mean, not infallible, it's, it's incredibly fallible. Anyway, um, so moving on here, notice what Paul said uh, several chapters later. This is from uh, Romans 11, 19 to 24. He says, thou, meaning Gentiles, thou wilt say then, uh, the branches, meaning the Jews, were broken off that I might be grafted in. He's, he's making an analogy here of a tree where, you know, Christ is supposed to be the trunk and that this trunk has Jewish branches and Gentile branches in the Christian world. And so Paul was telling the Christians here, the Gentiles, uh, um, that, you know, you will say, the, the, the original branches, uh, the Jews, were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Paul is telling them, don't be arrogant. Don't be arrogant. Don't think that because they were broken off and you were grafted in that you're better than them. Because Paul goes on to say, God can graft them back in again at any time. And you, if you're not faithful, he'll cut you off. He'll break you off of the tree. So don't be arrogant like they were. Um the truth is, Paul was just suckering them, catering to them. He wanted to puff their ego up, but he wanted them to be reminded that the original branches still were Jews. And even though he's telling them God has cut them off, there's still a chance they might come back if we intimidate them enough. 
if we see that, uh, if we can show them that we have them, you know, overawed and outnumbered, and that it's to no avail to try to resist us, we have you outpowered, outnumbered. He was hoping that they were going to come around, and ultimately he would kick the Gentiles to the curb if he could get enough of, of the Jewish leadership on his side. You, you see what I'm saying? So he wanted to pump them up a little bit so he could keep them faithful, keep the money rolling in, and hoping he could still depend on them if he needed them down the line for another insurrection. But at the same time, he reminds them here, don't get too puffed up because even though you're grafted into the tree, you're not original branches like the Jews. So at any time, God can break you branches off and, and graft the Jewish ones back in because they're the true branches. That, that, that's his point here. Romans 19, uh, I mean 11, 19 to 24. So once again, Paul blew his cover here. He's trying to tell Christians, oh yeah, when you convert, you're, you're, you're becoming Jews. But at the same time, he sends the mixed message that you're not so special. Yeah, I'm telling you, you're part of the tree now. You've been grafted in, but <laughs> at any given moment, God, i.e., we in, in, in leadership positions will cut you off, either because you're not doing what you're told, or we have enough Jews on our side now. We, you know, we got the leadership on our side. We don't need you anymore, so we'll kick you to the curb. That's all he's saying here, guys. Paul was a huckster. Don't forget, he said, I have become all things to all men, so that among the Jews, I can win over the Jews. Among the Greeks, I can win over the Greeks. You know, on and on and on. I have become all things to all men. What do you think that means? It means he's a phony. He's a chameleon. He takes on the appearance of the surroundings, whatever it takes to sucker people, to lure them in, uh, you know, with the worm on the hook. The fraud artist. He actually told the Corinthians on one occasion, how crafty I am. I have fooled you and lured you in through trickery. Oh, yes, he did say that. It's all in my book, folks. Anyway, and once again, I got several requests this last week. Uh, anybody who missed that show last week, if you haven't read my book, uh, What's Wrong with the Bible, just drop me an email, truthhurtsradio at AOL.com. I'll be happy to send it to you. Spelling hurts, H-E-R-T-Z. Anyway, notice what else Paul said uh, in the opening words of this same chapter, Romans 11. He said, have God not cast away his people? God forbid. Has God cast away his people? God forbid. Later in the chapter, he's talking about how God broke those branches off, right? And now he's grafting new Gentiles in. But earlier in the chapter, he sent a completely different message. Has God cast away his people? Meaning the Jews. God forbid, he says. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people. Look at the arrogance here. I'm one of his chosen ones. All the while, he's duping his Gentiles into thinking, yeah, God's not about uh, playing favorites, one group over another. There's no more Jew and Greek. And forget all of that. He even says there's no more male and female or man and woman. You know, we're all one in Christ. Now, we're all on, a, on a, an equal level. And yet, he turns around and says shit like this, guys. Did he mean what he said? 
when there's no more Jew, no more Greek, God is, is not, uh, does not play favorites? Of course not. We can see all through the Bible that the great Yah monster in the sky does, in fact, play favorites, doesn't he? But Paul isn't even consistent with his own claims. All the while, he says God does not show favoritism. Here he is right here, showing that he does. Has God cast away his people? God forbid, he says. Not only is he making it clear that he hasn't cast away his people, but he's also making it clear that he's still playing favorites with the Chosenites, isn't he? Of course. And then he goes on to brag how he's one of them. He's one of the chief ones among them. I'm a Jewy Jew. While yet claiming to the duped Gentiles once again that there's no such thing as Jew and Greek anymore. Bullshit, guys. Bullshit by his own testimony. He's a scam artist. Anyway, so, you know, he's still calling Jews God's people here. And yet, you know, don't forget, Peter uh, said that you are now of the household of God. You are a peculiar people, a chosen generation. Remember I read that last week? Peter was implying that yeah, those titles don't apply to Israel or to Jews anymore. They apply to Christians now. Paul here is saying completely otherwise, isn't he? Of course. So can you honestly say that you think that Christianity is a true godly religion? Can you honestly say that it is a religion separate from Judaism? It's not separate at all. It might appear to be now, generations later, uh, at least some sectors of it, certainly not Zio Christianity, but you know, uh, a lot of Christians are convinced that they are a completely separate religion. You can't separate. Even if your version or your understanding of it might seem to be separate from it, it is intimately connected. It was from the beginning. So any claim you make is either a delusion on your part or, uh, you know, a drifting on the part of your church that you belong to away from original apostolic Christianity. So what you have is not Christianity. It's a complete mutation of it. Unless, once again, you are keeping the Shabbat and meeting every week in the synagogue, uh, like the original apostles did, Paul, James, John, Peter, on and on it goes. Unless you're doing as they did, then whatever it is you're calling Christianity is not Christianity. Truth is, though, guys, this religion, people tend to, you know, think of it as, as one religion. Even though they know that there's a multiplicity of denominations, they still think that it all comes under that one banner. But if you look at all the different ideas and teachings and practices and rituals you know, within Christianity, there are so many entirely incompatible versions of it. Literally, just about every denomination out there has their own version of Christianity such that, you know, to those that don't know what original Christianity actually was, i.e. Judaism, how the hell your head spins? How are you supposed to know which one, if any, is supposed to be the right one? There's, there's no such thing, guys, as, as, quote, 
true Christianity in the world today. There isn't. No denomination today is practicing what original New Testament Christianity practiced or, you know, or belief. None of them. Absolutely none of them. Probably the closest, and that's why I belong to that cult for so long, is Seventh-day Adventism, simply because there is Jewish, well, them and, you know, probably the, the Messianic Jews, the so-called Jewish Christian, whatever. Like Jews who really <laughs> accept Christ. Give me a break, guys. That's another psyop. But nevertheless, other than those two, all the other ones are full of crap, guys. I, I mean, those two are full of crap, too, in many ways. But as far as being the closest to apostolic Christianity, yeah, they keep the Sabbath. They don't believe in the immortal soul doctrine. Uh, of course, there's other things where they stray from. Uh, most of them don't keep the, the Jewish feast. The original apostolic uh, Christians did. They kept the feast including Paul, by the way. So many Christians will quote where Paul, you know, denounces the feast. Uh, no, no, no. Again, get my book and read it for yourself. Openly, when in the presence of his Gentile audience, he denounced the Jewish feast days. He called it bondage, but he did observe them privately when he was in the company with his fellow Jews. Circumcision as well. Paul called the practitioners of circumcision uh, Judaizers, right? And yet, Paul circumcised numerous people after his alleged conversion to Christianity. What a phony, hypocritical bastard. Anyway, let's not forget what Christ himself said, guys. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled, Luke. 21, 24. Jesus was looking forward to a time, guys, when Jerusalem would take center stage once again. He knew that it was going to be trampled underfoot, right? Because he assisted with that. He wanted the Romans to come in and sack Jerusalem and overthrow the, the corrupt Jewish leadership. Which is why, you know, a listener asked for this week, what do you do with passages like this where it says, after the crucifixion, the disciples were uh, hiding in the upper room out of fear of the Jews. They were Jews themselves. Why does it say they were hiding from Jews? Because in that context, it's the Jewish leaders, the Jews, the Jews in power. They were afraid that they were going to come after them. They were hiding from them. They were a bunch of pussies. Where's their great faith and their great Jesus to protect them, right? Right there, that alone, the fact that they're hiding in fear. <laughs> Doesn't say much about their faith now, does it? The same today when you look out at all the churches, uh, the few that go anymore, you know, most people don't even go anymore because, ah, they But the few that go, they're all masked up with their faith in their God to protect them from the
Here is Rabbi Steve Gutel, who was president and CEO of the Jewish Council for Public Affairs. There are two issues at the top of our agenda at the very moment. Uh, one is the unbelievably important immigration debate in this country. To make sure that immigrants from around the world, particularly those from south of our border, have a chance here. And here's an interview with Rabbi Goldschmidt. Essentially, what you're saying is that in these both you're together with uh, both Muslims uh, yes, yes, yes. and people of other and, and, and we see ourselves together, fighting together with our Muslim brothers. Thanks, Jews. guys, welcome back. There's a few other passages here I quote from the great Jesus, uh, but, you know, I, I, I already had mentioned these a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago, so I'm not going to, you know, rehash it now, but, you know, passages where he downplays Gentiles, he calls the Canaanite woman a dog, remember? Uh, and, and then he says, uh, you know, don't pray with vain repetition for the heathen, i.e. the Gentiles. Uh, think that they're heard for their much speaking. In other words, true Jews like us, we don't pray that way. Only Gentiles do that. He made many, many statements like that, uh, showing his complete arrogance, which is, again, why Peter had no clue about uh, this new idea that Paul was introducing, that uh, Jews should have lunch with Gentiles and not snub them. So, you know, Paul had to force Peter's hand. Peter wasn't going along with it. Paul could not convince Peter to change his ways and accept these new Gentile converts uh, as fellow Jews, right? So he had to embarrass them. And then after being embarrassed, Peter tried to cover it up by saying, well, God actually showed me. He wasn't admitting that Paul forced his hand. So he had to make up a story that God showed me a vision that actually we are supposed to accept Gentile. Oh, that's a shit. Guys, this book, man. Once you strip away the facade and look at it for what it is, instead of interpreting it the way Pastor X, you know, twisted to, to make it sound, if you step back and let it speak for itself and start looking at the contradiction, you can see right the hell through it for that bullshit collection of uh, literary crap that it is. Anyway, um, And, of course, let's not forget what Pilate asked Christ. Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied in Mark uh, 15, 2. It is as you say. So, 
Who is Jesus? He's the king of the what? The king of the Jews. By his own admission, guys. By his own admission. Which is why, once again, he said, I came only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Imagine that. So the real mission of Christianity originally was only to reach out to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Only when Paul came along did it become a Gentile recruitment mechanism, but only to advance the cause of insurrectionism. It was never intended for Christianity to continue on after that. Once they, you know, got their way, if in fact they got their way, overthrew the Romans, overthrew the temple yeah, leadership, right? They would have told Gentiles to go to hell. In fact, they would have been trampling the Gentiles underfoot, just like Jesus said, right? Jerusalem shall be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. It was hoped right there in the first century that that time would come to pass. The time of the Gentiles would be fulfilled. Jerusalem would only be trampled temporarily until they could overthrow Rome and set themselves up in its place as the new imperial masters, right? That was their intention. That was Christ's intention. That's exactly what he meant when he made that statement. Anyway, let's look at some very interesting quotes now outside the Bible. We're going to begin with, believe it or not, Karl Marx. Oh, yeah. Much of a raging piece of shit as he was. He nevertheless made some quite interesting statements here about Christianity. Listen to this one. The practical Jewish spirit has become the practical spirit of the Christian nation. The Jews have emancipated themselves insofar as the Christians have become Jews. <laughs> Spoken like a true Jew himself, right? He's actually boasting here about that fact. That Jews have emancipated themselves only insofar as Christians have become Jews. He's saying right here, this is back in the mid-frickin'-19th uh, century, guys. He's saying that Christians are Jews. When you become a Christian, you become a Jew. Is he right? Oh, he is. He ought to know, right? He's one of them. He ought to know that that was the game plan all along. And that that is, in fact, what takes place with most Christians anyway. I'll argue all of them, but certainly the Zio Christians uh, are the most obnoxious Jewish of all, of all Christians, you know, the most Judaized of all Christians. But look what he says here. The practical Jewish spirit has become the practical spirit of the Christian nations. The Christian nations have what kind of spirit? A Jewish spirit. Deny it as they may. They can claim that it's a Gentile religion all they want, but the facts speak for themselves, don't they? The facts right in their own holy book make it clear what kind of religion it actually is. Jewish religion. Karl Marx, guys, wasn't wrong about everything he said. He said religion is the opiate of the masses, right? He was right about that, too especially the tribal religion, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. But what he said here about Christianity is an astonishing observation, which the Bible itself, as well as history, will fully back up. Harold Rosenthal once said to Senator uh, Jacob Javits, um, 
He was an aide to Senator Jacob Javits, and here's what he once said. Judaism is not only the teaching of the synagogue, but also the doctrine of every Christian church in America. Judaism is not only the teaching of every synagogue, but of every church, Christian church in America. Did you catch that? Is he wrong? No, he's not. He's absolutely right. I mean, we've just proven it right from the pages of the New Testament. You become children of Abraham. You become part of God through Israel. He went on to say, uh, through our propaganda, the church has become our most avid supporter. The Jews really hate Christianity. Do they really hate Christ? The only time they actually do hate Christians is when they're standing up for moral principles and not going along with their moral degradation bullshit. But other than that, guys, they love it. Just like they love Islam. Every time they hate Islam, Islam is at least semi-awake to their shenanigans and stands up to resist them. But throughout most of Muslim history, they've loved it, guys, because it's been a tool in their hand, as has Christianity. And they've used both those religions to get Gentiles to fight against each other. Christians against the Muslims, Muslims against the Christians, using the Muslims to fight the Christians, then later using the Christians to fight the Muslims, on and on, back and forth. The past 2,000 years, or around 2,700 years, has been nothing but a, a constant outplay of that game, guys. Pitting these two religions against each other. They're still freaking doing it. And gorging themselves with delight every step of the way. Harold uh, Rosenthal went on to say, uh, This has even given us a special place in society. They're believing uh, the lie that we are the chosen people and they the Gentiles. Imagine that. That has given them a big edge, he says. Is he right? Once again, yes, he is. Absolutely right. The Christian religion has given them the edge. We've convinced them that we're the chosen people. He comes right out and calls it a lie here. They know it's a lie, guys. Even when they sell it to some Jews, they know it's a lie. But they love it because it consolidates them all together and dupes mindless goy into supporting their agenda. Even the so-called Jewized Christians, the non-Zio Christians guys, even they, almost without exception, fall for this horseshit that the Chosenites are special people, favored of God. They might not like what Israel is doing and they might speak against it, but they still believe that God has something special planned for them. So, you know, something that comes down the pike that they stage, they'll probably fall for it. If, you know, they can give the appearance that whatever comes down is, is a movement of God, if it looks like some Jews, more Jews than ever can believe Christianity, they'll fake it just to suck at the Christian world to go along with it, right? 
Do you see how this religion sets up the glory? Do you see how it works, guys? He's saying it right here. I got to read this again. Judaism is not only the teaching of the synagogue, but also uh, the doctrine of every Christian church in America. Every Christian church. I, I have to agree with him. Some more than others, but across the board, all the churches in America, to some degree or other, are embracing Judaism, guys, because they embrace Christianity. It can't be any other way. It is a Jewish branch religion. He went on to say, uh, through our propaganda, the church has become our most uh, avid supporter through our propaganda. You know, it's not just the secular media that they use to manipulate the masses. Religious propaganda is an even more powerful force than the secular media for a great many uh, people in the world. Even non-religious people are fooled by this, guys. Even people that don't, you know, don't go to church, they're still influenced by it. You know, I would venture to say that probably as many non-church goers who fall for the chosenite propaganda bullshit as there are church goers. They're not, you know, big fans. They're not, like I said, they don't go to church. They don't even pray. They probably don't even read the Bible ever. <laughs> but they still have. That, that belief in the back of their mind. And if something, you know, some major fiasco, some staged event comes down the pike, a lot of those people are going to hop on board, guys. We're going to remember some of those uh, Christian ideas they had in the back of their head that were sitting dormant for years, and they're going to suddenly be revived. And they're going to join ranks with this crowd singing the praises of the Chosenites. He said here it's one of their most powerful uh, piece of the propaganda. He said, this has even given us a special place in society. Uh, they're believing that we are the chosen people and they the Gentiles. Yep. Yep. It's unbelievable, guys. It's given them a special place in society. Why are Jews so powerful in the United States, guys? So many articles over the years have pointed out the very obvious fact that it's the Zio-Christian world that has facilitated this. The Zio-Christian world has given them their power. They have been uh, the ones, you know, helping to put pressure. There's power in numbers, right? Well, that's where the numbers are. It's them. The Zio-Christian world has done more for Jews than the Zio-Jews themselves. quotes like this from Pope Leo X, who was in the, the D.C. Jewish Pope, by the way. He once stated, how well we know, who's this we he's talking about? His tribe, we the Jews, how well we know what a profitable superstition this fable of Christ has been for us. Us Jews. How well we know what a profitable. And when he says profitable, he's not just talking about the money factor. Oh, yeah, they're making a lot of money off, off Christianity, too. Absolutely. But oh, no, no. The profiteering he's primarily talking about here isn't even money. Oh, well, they love that. Don't, no question about it. But 
he's talking here about the ability to manipulate and control the masses. That's where the real profit comes in. Here's another uh, interesting tidbit. In the confession of uh, General Cornwallis to George Washington at Yorktown, dated October 17, 1781, Cornwallis uh, revealed to Washington that, quote, a holy war will now begin on America, meaning now that this country is founded and established, a holy war will now begin on America. And when it is ended, America will be supposedly the citadel of freedom. But her millions, millions of people will unknowingly be loyal subjects to the crown. The Rothschilds, guys. The crown is specifically a reference to the Rothschilds. The part of England where their empire sits enthroned. That's what Cornwallis was referring to here, guys. He saw it coming way back then. He then went on to explain, quote, your churches will be used to teach the Jews religion. And in less than 200 years, the whole nation will be working for them. They will be working for, listen to what he says, divine world government. He said within 200 years, mostly through the influence of the churches, the Christian churches, these dupes will be working for divine world government for the Jews. He knew there was a conspiracy for world government, that the Jews were behind it, and that Christianity was going to be the most powerful means to bring it about. What has been the biggest Mover and shaker in Washington, guys, the lobby groups, right? But what is the biggest and most powerful of all the lobby groups? The collective Jewish lobby. And where does most of that pressure come from? Not Jews themselves. Oh, sure. They were in trouble with the top, calling all the shots. But the real power behind those relatively small uh, groups of individuals is the Zio Christian world. Everything Cornwallis said here, guys, has been precisely fulfilled. He went on to say, that government that they believe to be divine will be the British Empire run by the the Rothschilds. All religion will be permeated with Judaism without even being uh, noticed by the masses. They won't even realize it. Do Christians realize it? Of course not. They'll insist that their religion is a Gentile religion. What are you talking about? Some some of them go so far as to say that there's nothing Jewish about it. (laughs) Oh, the ignorance. It absolutely prevails, doesn't it? In so many ways. He says, and they will all be under... uh, 
the invisible, all-seeing eye of the grand architect of Freemasonry. They'll all be under the invisible, all-seeing eye. There you go, guys. Notice how he was associating Freemasonry here with Judaism and the goal for world government and saying that Christianity was going to play a big role in, in bringing this all about. It has, guys. It has. The Bible Belt, comprised almost entirely of Zio Christians, has been putting the most pressure in Washington uh, and, and, you know, amassing the most support from the Israeli lobby groups, uh, which has resulted in, in bringing about this, you know, exponentially forwarded this agenda of, of Jewish world government, exactly as Cornwallis said. And notice the timing, too. He said within two centuries. Well, here we are, just a little over two centuries. He was pretty much right, wasn't he? He said within two centuries, but uh, although technically uh, 1781 brings us to 1981, by two, you know, two centuries later, yeah, things were well underway by 1981. But look where we're at now, guys, 40 years later. It's here now. Jewish world domination is not something in the future anymore. I, I mean, it can still be stopped. It's not completely in place, but all, all the pieces, guys, are there. They're all right in front of you. It is forming right now as we speak. I, I mean, essentially, it is formed, but it, it's consolidating. It's building power now. The pieces are there. They're already in place, guys. So, you know, when I first presented these notes years ago, I didn't have these quotes, uh, uh, you know, included. So it's one of the reasons why I had to redo this. A lot of people had requested them, too, but also I wanted to redo it just, just you know. Uh, and I'm not done. Pope Pius the Ninth, uh, the one who declared papal infallibility, you know, um, is quoted by uh, John Weiss in his book, Ideology of Death, published in 1997, quoted him as saying, uh, anti-Semitism is a repulsive movement. It is impossible for Christians to be part of, uh, of anti-Semitism, he says. It is not allowed. Spiritually, we Christians, Catholics, we are all Jews because of our link with Christ. Did you catch that, guys? Here is Mr. Catholicism himself, uh, you know, former pope, to this day one of the most respected popes, even though he's a massive piece of shit. But then again, most popes have been. Uh, but, you know, here he is. Coming right, coming right out and saying that we Christians are Jews. Is he right? Yeah. To become a part of that religion, again, doesn't matter if you deny it. You're just living a, a lie. Uh, you're living in denial. If you think that your religion is not Jewish, if you think that it's a Gentile religion, you don't understand your religion. Most Christians don't, guys. Most Christians don't even know what their book says. And that's why they believe it. 
sure there would be some who would believe it anyway if they knew it was a lie, but or profess to because it's a nice social club or they work for the system and depend on the paycheck, whatever, you know. But most people, guys, would never be a part of the system if they actually knew the, the real history of it, what it was really all about, and understood, really understood the Jewish problem and saw the intimate, undeniable connections between that problem and this religion. Protocol number 14 of the Protocol of the Learned Elders of Zion makes this uh, interesting statement, guys. When we come into our kingdom, meaning the New World Order, uh, it will be undesirable for us uh, that there should exist any other religion than ours of the one God with whom our destiny is bound up by our people um, as the chosen people. Uh, in other words, ultimately, right now what they're doing is trying to create a world religion, bring all the religions together under one banner, right? But that's just to, you know, to get the whole thing off the ground. Once it's off the ground, once everything's in place, Protocols are saying here that they're going to abolish all other religions. The only true religion that's going to be allowed is theirs. Which is why Freemasonry requires that you believe in a God. You have to have some type of religious belief, right? Because they are going to foist religion on you. So to be a Freemason, you have to believe in, quote, God, a God. It doesn't matter. It can be the devil. You call them Your God is the devil anyway, right? But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. As long as you believe in some religion, some God, because once you become part of it, then slowly, gradually, they introduce you to what it is you've actually joined. If you're found worthy, ultimately, they're going to tell you whether you are found worthy or not. And if you don't like it, they'll just kill you. But ultimately, guys, they want to be able to inform everyone that the only religion now that's going to be tolerated is the worship of Yahweh. Guess what, guys? I haven't done that show yet, but uh, or actually a series of shows. But I'm, you know, I'm going to go back and show how every Jewish empire, you know, the Hasmoneans, uh, the um, you know the Hexoth, the the uh, Axum Empire. Every time they got control, or, or the, you know the Ashkenaz um, or the Khazars, you know, every time they got control, guys. They always forced their religion on everybody that was under their banner, forced it on them to the point of death. You can see it in the Bible itself, right? How many times was Moses told to go and kill everything that breathes, including young suckling infants that were caught worshiping other gods? What did, um, <clears throat> you know, for example, Akhenaten do, right? Destroyed, defaced all the idols and all of the Egyptian temples outlawed that religion that only allowed the worship of Aten or Aden or Adonai, the Jew gods. And so here the protocols are saying the same thing, guys. When they get the new world order in place, they're only going to allow one religion. And that's when, if not before then, Christians are going to, you know, have no choice but to come to the realization that their religion was Jewish all along. 
and that in joining that religion, they were becoming Jews, just like Paul said. You are accepted as children of faithful Abraham through your faith, part of the children of God. All the while he said, oh yeah, this is a Jew and Gentile now, we're all one in Christ. Out of the other side of his mouth, let me stress, he was telling them, you are becoming Jews when you become Christian. And now we've seen Jacob Javits talk about this. Uh, we've seen Karl Marx talk about it. Now we're seeing the protocols talk about it. Ultimately, their goal when they get power, power this time over the entire world, if they have their way. And if they do, this is what they're going to do. It says it right here in the protocols, guys. They're going to destroy all other religious beliefs and make sure that the only religion, the only God that is worshipped, is theirs. Anyway, there's more to this quote. I'll pick it up when we get back, guys. Stick with us. Hey, hey, Mama said the way you move gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove. beloved Israel. This is America. Hey, don't say that. Jews do so much for us and deserve our thanks. Okay, so what do they do? Although they are only 2% of the population, they are running our banks and overall monetary system, ensuring our children receive proper education and medication, entertaining us with TV, movies, magazines, and gossip, running some of our biggest corporations, including the big tech giants, weeding out awful hate speech, and promoting the rainbow of alternative lifestyles and gender identities, and funding the campaigns of our honorable and honest politicians. Wow, they sure do a lot. That's right. Don't be an anti-Semite. Let the chosen rulers of this world know you appreciate them. Thanks, Jews!
Listen to what uh, the protocols goes on to say next. It says future generations, meaning under their new world order, uh, will hearken to our preaching of the religion of Moses, that by its stable and thoroughly elaborated system has brought all the people of the world into subjection to us. Their preaching of Moses which they intend to force on people in their future Jew world order, right? But already, their preaching of Moses, it says, has already brought all the peoples of the world into subjection unto us. And isn't that true, guys? All walks of life across the board, peoples in all nations of all races who, uh, embrace Christianity have, in fact, to, to some degree or other, been brought into subjection to them simply because they believe that these scoundrels are, quote, specially chosen of God. They're saying that their religion and all of its branches, Judaism, uh, Christianity, and uh, Islam, their religion and its branches have brought the world to subjection unto them. It just can't get any plainer than this. And then you see how the New Testament clearly reveals that it was the intention of Paul to make all Gentiles into Jews by converting to Christianity. You've got to be kidding me, guys. This has been their aim all along. Right from the beginning, Christianity, let me repeat once again, has always been nothing but a Jewish, uh, you know, a Jewification of Gentiles. That's all it's ever been. Need any more be said. The ultimate irony in all of this uh, is the fact that Paul, in order to make Christianity appealing to Gentiles, uh, slightly Gentilized, if you will, or uh, de-Jewified Christianity, just so we could make it look, uh, you know, more appealing, right? He claimed openly to be against circumcision. Again, it wasn't true, right? He lied. Don't forget, he said, I have become all things to all men, among the Jews to be a Jew, among the Greeks to be a Greek. He played make-believe. He was a chameleon so he could sucker people, fool them. But in reality, even though he pretended to be a Jew one minute and pretended to be a Gentile the next, in reality, what was he really? He was a Jew. I am chief uh, among Jews. I, I, you know, I was born a Pharisee, uh, Born of the, the tribe of Benjamin, you know, blah, 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 on and on and on. He went and bragged about how he, you know, went to the school of the Pharisees. Why would he still refer to himself, not only as a Jew, but as a Pharisee, long after his supposed conversion to Christianity, right? Why would he do that? Wasn't he supposed to have renounced his Judaism? Wasn't he claiming that there's no such thing as Jew versus Gentile anymore? And we're all one of the same? No, guys, no, he's a liar. 
When he said those things, he was just, again, playing the chameleon. But there's more. In the January 1928 edition, very famous edition of Century Magazine, the rabid Zionist Marcus Eli Ravage wrote these very interesting words. You Gentiles have not begun uh, to appreciate the depth of our, the Jews, guilt. We are murderers. We are subverters. We have taken your natural world, your ideal, uh, your destiny, and have played havoc with them. He's boasting here about all the trouble that's been caused down the century. Look at the trouble they're causing now, guys, with COVID, right? We've taken your hopes, your dreams, and made havoc with them. Oh, they have loved it. They have such a long history of doing it. Here they are doing it again. Anyways, he went on to say, we have been uh, at the bottom of nearly all of your wars, not only of the Russians, but almost every one uh, of your revolutions in history. We have brought discord and confusion and frustration uh, to your personal and public life. We are still doing it. No one can tell how long we shall go on doing it. But in other words, we're still going to keep doing it because we're having so much fun and we're making so much money. Our legends and our folk tales, meaning what's in the Bible, right? Our, and our sacred lore, um, which you croon to your infants, Our pens have filled your hymnals and your prayer books. How do you like this, guys? Our pens, our poems. Oh, guys, my eyes are fucking looking again tonight. Son of a bitch. Started off good, but here, here we go. Anyway, our poems have filled your prayer book and your hymnals. You see how he's boasting? Your religion that you think is Gentile, it's not. It's Jewish. We've got you singing hymns to our people, to our God, following religions that we made up. Even the Jesus that you think we hate, you worship him. We have you worshiping the Jews, doctors. This is what he's saying here. He goes on to say, our national history uh, has become an indispensable part of the learning of your pastors and priests and scholars. Our kings, our statesmen, kings, you know, in the Bible, the Old Testament, our prophets, our warriors, are your heroes. Bible dukes, do you see the monkeys they're making out of you? When you read that book and you get all gaga over it, and you praise these people, which, in fact, if you were taking a closer look, you'd realize there's nothing praiseworthy about any of them. None of them. You could go through the entire Bible, and you will discover that all of their heroes were scoundrels. They were crooks, liars, murderers, every single one of them. Joseph, Abraham, pimping out his wife, Moses, the mass guerrilla warfare uh, tyrant 
you know, Joseph raping Egypt clean so him and his tribe could live high off the hog while the Egyptians were in desperate want. Jesus, the one who said, bring those who won't bow and worship me as king and kill them in front of me. Every single one of them. They have you looking up to them, Goyim Christian saps. They have you looking up to them, bowing before them, holding up on a high pedestal, deifying them. Literally, you, they get, you get Jesus deified, Christian. You actually claim that Jesus is God, even when he himself didn't even make that claim. <laughs> but nevertheless, even if you weren't calling him God, you still are essentially worshiping him, right? That's all that comes out of your mouth 24-7. Jesus this, Jesus that, Christ this, Christ that. He was a fucking human being and an incredibly fallible one at that. An arrogant Jewish supremacist one. If, in fact, you could label such an individual as a human being. <laughs> anyway, the quote goes on here. Um, our national literature is your holy Bible. What our people thought and taught had become uh, inextricably woven into your speech and your tradition. I, I mean, he just goes on and on here, guys. And he's loving it. And he's laughing at the gullibility of Gentiles that follow this. He knows it's all crap. But he loves the fact that it has this ability to manipulate so many otherwise sincere, decent people that are just mindless. The same with the COVID bullshit, guys. They look out their high-rise windows on Wall Street and watch the people walking by with the masks, socially distancing, and uh, freaking out if people come too close to them. They laugh. Look at these suckers. Now, now they're poised as of today to have you wear two masks. It's already law, well, law, it's not law, but it's policy and it's gonna be enforced as though it's law. The CDC guys, as of noontime today, has decreed, the almighty CDC has decreed now that you cannot get on a train, a bus, a plane, no public transportation, unless you wear not one but two masks. You have to wear two masks, says the almighty CDC. Guys, they're, they're laughing their asses off at people's gullibility. Are you going to keep playing their game? Are you going to continue to be their sucker? Oh, but they're especially laughing only because they've gotten away with it for so much longer. And collectively, uh, with so many more people, you know, because of so many generations that have gone by multiplied, multiplied billions and billions of people that they have fooled with this book, thinking that it's offering something wholesome to them when it's their immoral, filthy, horseshit, thinking that it's giving them hope, a lifeline when it delivers nothing but a lead weight, thinking that, uh, you, you know, it, it's teaching them a, a, a wholesome uh, set of standards and a, and a good way to live your life. No, it isn't. It's keeping you in the dark. It's filling you with incredible immorality. Most Christians would never admit that. In fact, really none will. They'll deny it. And, and they'll say, the Bible's not immoral. What are you talking about? Oh, yes, it is. And so are you. 
Because if I were to ask you, Bible do, if you think killing babies is wrong, you would say yes. But then when I proceed to show you passages where Yahweh commanded the killing of suckling infants and said to rip up the wombs of pregnant women, you would justify that. Yes, you know you would. You do it all the time when confronted with passages like that. You justify something that you claim to be appalled by and would never, never support it in any other context. But when it comes to Yahweh and his little chosen ones, you make an exception. You lose your decency, your morality, and your humanity because of this book, which Jews like the ones I'm quoting from right now laugh in your face over that they have you so fooled that you don't know your own ass from your elbow. It has you chasing shadows. It has you believing in things that are actually entirely opposed to what you say in any other context, except in the context of this book. It has you eating out of their hand. And even if you claim to be Jew-wise, you're not if you're following this book. He went on to say, Jewish artisans and Jewish fishermen are your teachers and your saints. Yes, fishermen, the apostles, right? Um, with countless statues carved, maybe he's talking about you know, Catholics and Eastern Orthodox or whatever, you know, with statues carved in their image, which you, yeah, bow before, address your prayers to. the worshiping Jews, guys, not just Jesus. Like in the Catholic Church, the Eastern Orthodox Church, when they have all these freaking icons, you know, or idols, whatever you want to call them. They are idols. Catholics would say, oh, no, they're not idols. Ah, knock it off. Of course they are. And don't tell me you don't worship them and pray to them. You absolutely do. You do all the time, God damn it. Oh, I've heard so many Catholics over the years trying to tell me that shit. Oh, oh no, it's called uh, beautification or, or well, uh, that's not even the word. Uh, what is it? Glorification. Uh, we're not worshiping them. We're just, just glorification. That same thing. When you get on your knees and bow your head before a piece of porcelain, cut the shit. But ultimately, who are they really worshiping? Through the statue, they're worshiping Jews, right? St. Peter, St. Paul, St. John, St. Jude. They're all Jews, baby. Hey, Jude. Oh, my God, man. And look how they laugh at you. They love that they can manipulate you. A Jewish maiden, he goes on to say, is your ideal of motherhood and womanhood, meaning Mary. Another Jewish, right? Another joke. Uh, a Jewish rebel prophet is the center figure of your religious worship. Jesus, rebel prophet. Notice, was he right when he said that? Absolutely. This is back in the 20s, guys. This is way before the book uh, uh, Passover Plot came out. That was the first major work that exposed Jesus as the insurrectionist that he was. But this was decades before that book ever came out. Here's this Jew calling Jesus the rebel prophet. 
He knew what Jesus was all about. Jews all through the centuries have known exactly who he was. And even though some genuinely have hated him as far as what he was back then, they don't hate him anymore, or at least what he stands for now. No, they love the, the fucking guy. Look at all the mileage they're getting out of him. Love him. And they love Christianity. If a Jew says they hate something, do you really think that's true? Christians will often say that. Christianity was was part of Judaism. How come Jews hate Christianity? You're quoting a liar and taking him at his word? Really? They don't hate it. Fuck no, they don't hate it. They love it. They absolutely love it. Oh, boy, have they gotten mileage out of it. Still, still getting mileage. Big time. Remember Netanyahu referred to Christians as useful idiots. Oh, That would be you, Bible dupes. Useful idiots. We have pulled down, he says, your idols, cast aside your racial inheritance. In other words, we've destroyed your culture, right? Taken away your ancient traditional religions and have replaced them with ours. We have made them profane and got you convinced that our religion, which is incredibly profane itself, we have made that holy and sacred in your eyes. They have. Once again, guys, Christians think Moses is admirable. And you know why? Mainly because Jesus said he was. Jesus quoted constantly from Moses. He had nothing but good to say about him. Jesus was a Moses peddler. And who was Moses? Once again, a mass murdering psychopath. Let me remind you of the story when, you know, the Israelites made the, the, the golden calf while Moses was up on Sinai, right? He comes back down and sees that they had done this. He's pissed off, throws a fit, smashes the tablets down on the ground. And then he calls forward uh, some members of the tribe of Judah that are faithful to the Lord, that did not participate in the abomination of worshiping the golden calf. And he told them to grab their swords and to go out into the camp and slay everyone, young and old, male and female, uh, men and women, all who had bowed before the golden calf. And then later, he rewarded them. Because you have done this for the Lord, provided this great service, the Lord will now pour you out a great blessing, he said. Jesus idolized Moses, and he taught his gullible ass saps to idolize him. And they're still doing it to this day. As the Jews laugh in their faces at how incredibly naive they are, that they can be led to look up to people like this as respectable. They don't have any scruples. They don't have any moral standards, but they love that the goyim do because they can take such easy advantage of them that way. They play on the fact that the goyim have a conscience. They manipulate it. They play on the fact that they have moral standards and manipulate that as well. They throw a few cozy, comfy passages in their not-so-holy book 
to lure in the gullible and make sure that they just focus on those and ignore the rest, thinking that what they have is something good and righteous when it's pure fucking evil. Evil, real evil, never comes with horns, fangs, and claws. Real evil only will come to you in sheep's clothing, just like Jesus said. He ought to know. He was the best example of that, wasn't he? Evil always, always. You know, that's why you got to laugh at some of these horror movies, you know. I remember years ago, I think I told the story years ago, but I'll tell it again. When I saw uh, uh, Poltergeist, I don't know, I think it was part frickin' 527. I don't know how many frickin' sequels there were to that thing. But one of them, there was a scene where the priest comes in to cast a demon out of this guy. And he looks up at the priest. It's supposed to be the demon talking through him. And he says, you can't cast me out. And the priest says, what do you mean? I have uh, my holy water and then the Bible. And he says, you're not authorized by the church. I'll never forget when I first saw it. I, I was laughing, guys, in the middle of the movie, in the theater. And people looking over at me like, what the hell is this guy laughing about, you know? To me, it was comic relief time. What a fucking joke. Everybody else was like on the edge of their seat, freaked out, you know, oh, this is so scary. That was comedy hour for me. Like a real demon is going to be pissing himself. Uh, um if, if, if a priest came and had the authority of the church behind him, oh, if you came of your own accord, I wouldn't care, but you have the power of the church behind you. Oh, shit, I'm out of here. What a fucking joke. What a fucking joke. Evil is much more clever than what people give it credit for. And what better example of evil than our little tribal friends? Oh, they know the game and they play it all too well. And unfortunately, most people play right into it every fucking time. Whether it's falling, falling for the Bible, following Jesus, or falling for COVID, it doesn't matter. The masses have always been asses. They've always fallen for Jewish propaganda, be it political, be it religious, uh, be it academic, it doesn't matter. People don't think because people won't think very often guys all too often it's a willful effort on their part they don't want to think they don't want to upset the nest they've got too much at stake too much you know invested in in their religion or in their political ideals or all of their friends believe it and they don't want to stand out, whatever. There's any number of reasons. Sometimes it's a combination of them. It doesn't matter, though. They just make excuses up because deep down inside, they either know you're right or they suspect you might be, but they don't want to hear it. They literally don't want to hear it. And that's how these son of a bitches have always gotten away with their shit and still do. Perhaps never has that been more obvious, guys, than in the Christian context, though. People just can't imagine going through life without that fucking pacifier to suck on. The reality is, though, you're the pacifier that's getting sucked off of 
Oh, are they draining you dry? And I don't just mean your pockets. I mean your brain, your soul. This religion has got to go. It is Judaism to the core. And Jews, once again, laugh at your suckerdom. Anyway. But look how he says here, guys, that, you know, we've got you worshiping our people. We've made our heroes your heroes. They are the focus of your religion, of your worship, of your prayers. Our poets comprise your hymns and, you know, your prayer books. On and on it goes. He's right. Here's another mind-blowing quote. Um, oh, this is from Nietzsche, guys. This is what Nietzsche said. This is precisely why uh, the Jews are the most disastrous people in the history of the world. They have left uh, such falsified humanity in their wake that even today Christians uh, can think of themselves as anti-Jewish without understanding that they are the ultimate conclusion of Judaism. Is that ever ripe with meaning? Christians are the ultimate conclusion of Judaism. They think that they're against, you know, the Jewish conspiracy. There's a lot of Christians who, who claim that, right? Oh, I've known many of them myself over the years. They think they're so wise and so informed, and yet in between their condemnations of Israel and the mass murdering of the Palestinians, rigging of the U.S. government and, and raping us, uh, raping the public treasury, on and on it goes. In the midst of saying all of that, they're quoting Jesus every other sentence. All right, guys, let's go right back. Times need cash, sick of waiting tables? Here at the Juletard School of Drama, we can make all your hoax and dreams come true. Sign up for our 33-week course and we will teach you how to laugh mid-sentence when describing how your friend was blown into six million pieces, how to move too soon before any shots or explosions are even heard, the lost art of driving into people but having your truck stay nice and clean, the correct posture when crouching over a dummy so your ID card doesn't cause neck strain. Sign up today and we guarantee weekly acting jobs with the CIA, FEMA, MI5, even Mossad. Scholarships and bursaries available for war veteran amputees and illegal immigrants. Gilatard School of Drama. We even supply the tomato sauce and dead chickens.
All right, guys, welcome back. <clears throat> Here's another quote. Listen to this from Josephus, guys. He said that Judaism is, quote, a scheme under which religion is the end aim of the training of the entire community, and the priests are entrusted with the special charge of it, and the whole administration of the state seems to be some sacred ceremony. Did you catch that? The mechanism of state is a secret ceremony under whose control? Jewish control. He said Jewish religion is a scheme under which religion is the end of all training. It's the end objective. It's the one thing that keeps people mesmerized more than anything else, more than any political system could ever accomplish. That's why everything is focused around it. And that's why under the Jew world order, as the protocol states, they want to have Judaism as the all-encompassing philosophy, which, amongst other things, puts the tribe high up on the pedestal, right? They're the epicenter. They're the focus. They're the chosen ones. They're the ones that everyone else needs to follow and obey and respect and serve and ultimately worship. But do you see how many uh, authoritative Jewish sources? There's many more, but just look at the, 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 you know, the names we've been quoting from here tonight. And they're all saying the same thing, aren't they? Even though their lifespans were separated by thousands of years. They've all been saying the same thing. Religion is their scheme to control the masses and to turn politics into a theater or a religious sacred ceremony. Holy shit, guys. Look at politics today. Sacred ceremony, Masonic, Kabbalistic ceremony. There's another boast uh, from Josephus. We have already demonstrated that our laws have been such uh, as have always inspired admiration and uh, imitation. Um, uh, unto all men. That was the case even back then, guys, just as it is today. And this is before Christianity had taken root. Or, you know, in the very, very earliest stages of it anyway, when he, when he penned these words. But he's right. Got long before Christianity, guys, Judaism had, had uh, reared its ugly head uh, in, in nations around the world and had been exerting a tremendous amount of influence, especially among elites. Elites in Babylon, elites in Persia, elites in Rome, uh, um, you, you know, Egypt, of course, right? Every major civilization in the ancient world was cursed by these SOBs uh, and, and had been manipulated by them. And thus the masses were manipulated by them. And they did turn politics into uh, a religious ceremony. Over and over in his writings, Josephus made statements, boastful statements like this. Um, here's Karl Marx again. 
on the Jewish question, 1843. He said, um, oh, actually, I think I quoted from this already. The, the Jew has emancipated himself in a Jewish manner, not only because uh, he has acquired financial power, but also because uh, yeah, because of the power he wields through uh, the religion of Judaism. So there you go, guys. There you go. Anyway. Yeah, guys, my eyes are getting tired. I'm going to have to... Uh, I, I can't do these long quotes anymore. I just can't do it, son of a bitch. Like I said, at the beginning of the show, it didn't. It seemed all right. You know, that's usually how it goes. Uh, and then an hour, hour and a half, two hours, whatever. And uh, it just shits the bed on me. I'm, I, I, it's, it's not looking good. I'm going to keep going with these herbs, hoping uh, it, it's going to work. But I don't know. I just don't know. This really sucks. I mean, this is my life. You know, this is what I, I've, I've been doing for years. I enjoy it. Uh, love research and love sharing, but uh, it's not looking good. I'm going to go to headlines because I, I, I can handle reading one-liners and then look away and let my eyes rest until I read the next one-liner. But whole quotes, long, multi-sentenced quotes, guys. I think my days are over for those. It's just uh, not looking good. I am going to try, amongst other things, by the way, the Bates method. Uh, Steph, I think it was, recommended that. So I, I got the book. Of course, I can only read small portions at a time, but uh, it, it sounds good, the basic theory behind it. I'm going to read the whole thing, make sure I got a good grasp of it. I'm going to try doing that. The, the, the idea is that you don't need glasses. In fact, glasses, and I've heard this over the years many times, uh, and it, it, it just makes sense. Glasses actually are not good for your eyes. They're bad for your eyes. They weaken your eyes. Your eyes become dependent on them. They actually warp the shape of the eyeball, you know, uh, over time, or well, the lens anyway, you know, it, 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 it deforms the eye. It can actually lead to eye diseases if you didn't have any to begin with, um, especially long-term, you know, if you've been using them for years, and I certainly have been wearing glasses now for friggin' 20 years. And, uh, yeah, the more you use them, the, the weaker they get. And, and, uh, so the Bates method is designed to train your eye to do its own focusing instead of depending on the, the lenses, which, which make them atrophy, literally. Just like, you know, if you don't exercise right, your muscles are going to atrophy. You're going to become bony and scrawny. And, uh, you know, it's just not good to, to live a sedentary lifestyle. The body is meant to be active, to, to exercise, you know, to build up uh, strength, build up the immune system too, for that matter. And so it is with the eye, you know, if it's not getting exercise, if you're wearing glasses, it's making them lazy. And so, of course, they're going to atrophy. So I'm going to try the Bates method, too, and see if that helps. Anyway, let's get to some headlines. We do have some important ones here. Um, and uh, I definitely won't finish these tonight, so I'll, I'll probably, probably do headlines tomorrow, too, guys, because uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to figure something out if I'm going to do any more topical stuff. Um, I'm just going to have to renew, I don't know, review the notes better and basically paraphrase. I, I can't read, I just can't read long quotes anymore. 
Before I get into the headlines, though, I wanted to mention uh, once again the uh, COVID19propaganda.com uh, website, guys. Um, you know, keep getting the uh, the pamphlets. There's a whole bunch more available. I haven't gotten an update for this week, uh, but I'm sure there's been a lot more hits, a lot more orders being placed. Um, anyway, let's see here. Oh, yeah. One listener asked me to, to mention this. This is a good idea. Um, you know, you've heard of flag burnings in the past. Uh, why don't we have a mask burning demonstration? Wouldn't that be great if in cities all over the world, people got together? You don't even have to say anything. Just get together with a massive pile of masks, stack them up like a cone shape and just put a little gas on it and light the son of a bitch on fire. That, that says it all right there. You don't have to say anything. Just get a bunch of masks and burn them, burn them. Send a message, we've had it, enough is enough. Guys, once again, just as we've been saying uh, here on Renegade and so many other networks, they're not going to stop. Au contraire, they're going to push and push all the more. Now we have the CDC mandate to wear freaking two masks now to be able to utilize public transportation. Two masks, two freaking masks. And they're already saying, it's even better if you can wear three. How much you wanna bet down the line? Probably not too long from now under Biden. Uh, they're gonna mandate three masks. With just one mask, guys. And it varies from one to another, you know, different types. Uh, it's worse with some than others, but it doesn't matter. No matter what mask you wear, all of them drop you below the 19.5% oxygen level. All of them do. Some of them down as low as like 12 point something percent. Most of them seem to hover around 15, 16%, but it doesn't matter. That's still way below uh, the, the safety level. You're in the danger zone with just one mask, any mask. But now they want you to wear two and possibly down the line even three? Are you shitting me? Anyway. Uh, I think we got a call on the line. You there, call it? Yeah, hey, Charlie. Yeah, what's up? Hey, man, I just, I just want to say, I, I don't know. I went to this Jimmy John's today, and I went, you know, going there with my mask, just like always everywhere. And you know, there's the workers there. There's about five young, you know, te teens in there with their with their black masks on or whatever. And uh, and uh, you know, they, they, this this female says, you know, oh sir, you have to have a mask on. We need to have a uh, you know, need to have a mask on. Well, I said, well, uh, I just sort of look at him like, yeah, I got a, a medical exemption or whatever. <laughs> and you know, they're all kind of looking at you. It, it, and um, you know, it's kind of awkward. You know, but anyways, and, but anyways, uh, so later, um, she, you know, I was just, I sort of, you know, got a little close to her or whatever. And I was like, you know, uh, this thing's got a, you know, a 99.95% survival rate if you're under 70. And yeah. she goes, oh, well, well, my grandma, my grandma, uh, uh, could get, uh, uh you know, in trouble. In fact, she's at risk with this thing. 
and um, and I, you know, I could tell that she was, um, you know, she's she's in the system. She's plugged in. Um, yeah, most and, yeah. Um, yeah. She probably thinks that you know, I don't know all the other things that, tell, that they tell people, but um, you know, it's a status thing too. It, it, I could tell that she was she was high status. She, she, she you know, she's gonna wear a mask everywhere. She's gonna take the oh, vaccine. Yeah. pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And she and then I started, I, I asked her, hey, well, okay, are you are you gonna are you gonna hey are you gonna take these vaccines? Um, and she goes, uh, you know, well, yeah, of course, you know, my grandma's, um, I need to do it for my grandma, and yeah, of course, you know, what's wrong with that? You know, there's nothing wrong with that. And I know that there's nothing that I could really say in the few moments where I'm getting my Italian, what um, you know, sandwich. Um, and I just I know I had just a few moments. Well, you know, I I know that there's nothing I could say, and you know. But I was just like, oh, well, all right. I mean, good luck. Good luck. Maybe that'll try and get her to think a little bit. That the 99.95% thing didn't get her to think, you know. And it's just sad. It's so sad, Charlie, that this young female, this young white female's life could, um, you know, I mean, this is could potentially change here. You know, with there yeah. might be nanobots in these things, um, you know. Um, Voluntary, voluntary uh, servitude, voluntary slavery. Yeah. And, and it's just so sad. I feel. I feel like I'm just. I'm just like. Listen, you need to listen. And it's just oh, it's so screwed up. But um, and then that went to the Seven Eleven uh, across the street, and I talked to this one lady at the uh, She was actually the register. And she was saying that her her friend uh, took a vaccine. She said she'd never take the vaccine. She's got to go. her. She said her friend took it. And she uh and she was fine for a few days and then uh a few days later she got sick with she got sick with COVID. She said yeah. she got she, I can tell that she got really sick or something. I'm like, Oh my god. Oh yeah. my god. It wasn't yeah. COVID. It, it wasn't it probably wasn't COVID, it's something else. That's what's really scary. That's what's really screwed up. It, it's so sad that so many people are gonna find out the hard way, you know, when all they would have to do have done is just listened and did some digging for themselves, but no, no, most of them they don't they don't wanna do it. It ain't it, it ain't this COVID. It's something you're getting sick, but you know, that's a scary thing. It's it's something, but <laughs> Oh man. Uh, you know, these these young you know, these young yeah. females gonna you know, go, gonna go in there and take her jab. Yeah. Like you said, regardless what they want to call it, who gives a crap? All you got to do is look at the CDC's own death statistics, which show that death rates dropped last year. So they can call it whatever they want. It's obviously not a deadly pandemic, is it? It couldn't be by their own numbers. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. Of course, they don't say the numbers on the television. They don't say, hey, if you're under no, president, no. you know. Right. Now, they, they, they're confident about putting it out there, uh, you know, on their website, because they know people don't freaking look things up. They don't, they, don't, they don't care. Yeah. And, yeah. And for the few that do, they know that people will write it off because they'll say, well, if this was that important, the CDC must have made a mistake because it would have been on the news, you know. That's how they look at it. Yeah. Jesus, man. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, that's great. How how we have how you go into goddamn stores and just there's the percentage of people still wearing these these things. It's just 
I don't know. Like, it, especially it really affects when I see young white young white men wearing these things. It's just like, guys, yeah. come on. Like, do you really trust the system? Like, you're being told, you know, in the media and everything that, you know, you're basically evil and you should feel guilty and hate yourself. Like, come on. Aren't you skeptical? Like, of anything? Aren't you skeptical? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I often ask people that. I'll say, you know, did it ever dawn on you that there might be something else going on here? You know, why aren't you asking some important questions here? Especially when you see how long this nonsense has been going on. Almost a year into this now. Winter, There's so many other, things, so many other some... things that they say that we know are bullshit. And so why why would you then believe this? Right, exactly. You know, right. A government that has a long yeah, right. history of lying to us about everything under the sun, and suddenly now we can trust them. Yeah. 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 It's crazy, man. Absolute insanity. Yeah. All right. All right. Hey, thanks for the call. Keep up the good work, though, you know? Keep yeah. getting conversations like that going. You, you, you never know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, take care, man. All right. Yeah, bye. Yeah, folks, every chance you get, you know, get conversations going like that. It doesn't have to get heated. In fact, uh, if you don't want to get, you know, confrontational, you just walk away. That's all. But you're not you're not trying to do that. You're just trying to just, you know, get people to think. That's all. Um, Anyway. Let's look at a few headlines. They only got a few more minutes left. But uh, on the 27th, CNN had this headline. Two police officers died by suicide after responding to Capitol riot. Well, isn't that interesting? I'm sure they died from suicide, right? I mean, it couldn't be anything else, right? Uh, uh, no reason to suspect any foul play there. CNN on January uh, 30th had this headline. Can the arrival of New coronavirus variants scare Americans into better pandemic behavior. Can you believe this? They have the gall to actually come up with a headline like that. And you know why? Because, again, they're confident enough that people are so goddamn dumbed down that they can smear this shit right in your face. And no one's, almost nobody's going to bat an eyelash at it. They're coming right out here and saying that they want to manipulate you by the claim of new coronavirus strains that are worse than ever so that you can be whipped into proper COVID behavior. It's all about power. It's all about manipulation. And as always, it's all about picking your pocket. New York uh, Magazine had this on uh, January 28th. GOP Congresswoman blamed wildfires on secret Jewish space laser. (laughs) You know, guys, this is what sucks about this fucked up world we're in. She's absolutely fucking right, right? But they portray it so uh, juvenilely that it, it sounds just, you know, just completely off the wall. They actually love to come out with statements like this that are in fact true, but paint them in such a way that they're making fun of the whole thing and that this congresswoman is a whack job. So that 
you know, they know that people are catching on to the Jew factor being behind all this shit, right? So by putting this out there, though, it's going to be a, a, you know, a, a safety net to prevent people from, from, or a barrier, you know, to prevent people from going any further looking into stuff like this. Oh, I don't want to be a crazy nut job like that crazy congresswoman. You know, a good example of this kind of uh, tactic is, is that comedians use it like that Borat bastard. You know, I never heard of him. That's how out of touch I am with frickin' Hollywood. Uh, I never heard of him until he was on, oh, I don't know, one of those late night talk shows several months ago. And I see this guy. I, I actually thought he was from, you know, a, a comedian from the Middle East somewhere. He had an accent, you know, I'm sure... Most of you guys know who Borat is, right? So I thought he was just a Middle Eastern comedian, right? And all of his jokes were taking pot shots at Jews. I'm like, holy shit. Wow. How does this guy get away with that, you know? Then I find out later from a listener, I felt like a dumbass because I never heard of him. He's a fucking Jew. Of course he is. His last name is Cohen. <laughs> so all of his Jew jokes, guys, are designed for the same purpose. To make a joke out of people who are exposing the real Jew problem to make them out to look like crackpots and whack jobs. And sure enough, I, I, I did see the movie. Um, my girlfriend actually had it from years ago on DVD. So we watched it uh, last night or the other night. And uh, yeah, sure enough, you know, recognizing now that he is in fact a Jew, I'm watching and I'm like, you son of a bitch. All the pot shots he's taken at Jews, it's designed to make fun of the whole idea. And could you imagine that people actually think Jews were behind 9-11? He had a 9-11 joke in there. Uh, he was saying that, um, you know, something to the effect that he's not going to travel on an airplane because the Jews might pull another 9-11, you know. Oh, I tell you guys. You couldn't dream up something more evil than these manipulative little pricks. You couldn't do it. And aren't you glad you couldn't, though? Because if you could, it would mean you got a sick mind like this. Anyway, CNN had this on uh, January 30th. Former QAnon supporter uh, to Cooper, Anderson Cooper, I apologize. For thinking that you ate babies. Oh, you gotta be kidding. Yeah, I'm sure this is a real former Chuanan. Unless he was a frickin', you know, one of the top-notch ones working for the CIA. But the, the, the real Chuanan people, the lower-level ones that, you know, that don't know better, that are kissing Trump's ass thinking he's their hero, they're not going to make a change like this. Going on CNN and meeting up with Mr. Baby Eater himself and apologizing, get the fuck out of it. It's some more of your Jewish propaganda for you. Christ almighty, man. Fucking so full of shit. I, I, how many people read this and actually buy it? That's what's so amazing, guys. God damn, it's so transparent. It's so pathetic to see that so many people watch the evening news and actually absorb it like a sponge and think they're getting informed when it's nothing, nothing but bullshit. That's all it's ever been. But oh, more so now than ever. The Guardian had this headline on uh, the 31st. Jared Kushner 
nominated for... <laughs> Are you ready for this one? The Nobel Peace Prize, of course. Yes. And what better candidate? Actually, that's true. No better candidate to receive a sleazy-ass frickin' prize like that. But for the people who think that it's actually something honorable and only given to men of great respect and integrity, get the fuck out of here. Look at this shit, guys. Fucking unreal. Well, if you didn't think the Nobel Peace Prize was a scam before, I hope you can see it now. Yahoo News had this headline on uh, January 30th. Uh, oh, this is pretty interesting. Tucker Carlson staffers would resign uh, in protest if uh, Fox News said that domestic terrorism is worse than foreign. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, the jury's still out on uh, Mr. Tucker. I don't, I don't trust him, guys. Sorry. But nevertheless, though, I do like a lot of the things that he says. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff you can quote from him in trying to wake people up, like on the several occasions where he called COVID a hoax. <laughs> Who cares if he's a shill? That's fucking awesome, right? Just like Winston Churchill, who was definitely a shill. But he made some great comments about the Jewish conspiracy for world government. Uh, and so here's a good example of that, guys. This is great. This is, this is nice. They're going to resign in protest if they call domestic terrorism worse than foreign. Of course, he should threatened to resign in protest against a whole lot of other things, but nevertheless, pretty interesting. Um, yeah, guys, I, I I don't know. I think I'm going to stick with headlines. It's looking like I, I seem to be able to do a little better, like I said, because I'm not constantly reading. I'm looking away, let my eyes rest in between reading each headline. They're short. Uh, but the long quotes and stuff, I, I, I don't know. I think my days are over for that. Anyway, another call in the line. We've only got a minute or so left, but are you there, caller? Oh, you know what? Actually, somebody just hung up. Oh, shit. I didn't realize there was somebody on the line. Sorry about that. I was going to try. Uh, well, actually, you won't be able to try tomorrow because, like I said, we're going to be locking the room down for a little while, guys. Um, long story. Anyway, on uh, let's see here. On, uh, uh, I don't think I'm going to have time to, to read this. Yeah, no, the, the show's just about over. All right, guys, I'll, I'll pick up tomorrow with some more headlines. This is important stuff. Um, quite a few bizarre-ass things have gone on in the past couple of days. Some really draconian measures going on up in Canada that I want to talk about. Some crazy shit down here, too, for that matter. Um, they're really, just like like I said, guys, and then... They are upping the ante under, under uh, Biden, guys. They are. Worse than Trump. All right, guys. Have a good day. Have a good night.
This is an important message on behalf of the WHO, the World Health Organization. It has come to our attention that various neo-Nazi groups are trying to promote natural, healthy, alternative products to white people. The Rockefeller Foundation didn't spend billions of dollars in creating the synthetic and safe medical and pharmaceutical industries, so some far-right startup like HeathenHerbs.com, to name but one, can now destroy over 100 years of testing on humans and other animals. Your painful death today helps us treat black, brown and yellow children tomorrow. Thank you.